And welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is actress Leslie Easterbrook, best known for portraying Callahan in the Police Academy movies. She tells me about her role, why she wasn't in the first sequel, and if she has any update on this King and Peel remake that has been talked about for quite some time. Before Police Academy, she was Rhonda Lee in Laverne and Shirley. She sang the national anthem at Super Bowl 17. She has a crazy story about that. She did a movie way back when with Johnny Depp. She has a nice story about Johnny. All in all, such an amazing and talented woman. Here's my conversation with Leslie. And helping me relive my youth today is Leslie Easterbrook. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure, Noel. I mean, any, any chance I can go back to my youth and forget about this old age? It's definitely a break in my schedule. Right, and I, and I know you've had a pretty hectic morning so far, so I'll... Uh, well, I'm not going to tell everybody about broken washing machines and, uh, and uh, the things that are going on today. Right. Because <laughs> I'm reliving my youth, and those things didn't happen my youth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. 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 So, what are, you, what are you working on these days? Well, you know, it's funny. I haven't, I haven't worked in quite a while, and it, it feels a little... Um, you know, I felt a little rusty, but I got a call from Ben uh, Sullenberger about doing two episodes of a web series called Sia. So I'm shooting uh, the two episodes tomorrow, and uh, and the next day I'm getting on a plane going to Omaha, where I'm putting together one of the best movie scripts I've ever read with a woman that I adore in Chicago, who uh, is hopefully going to be the executive producer and finance the film. She financed one a number of years ago I did, where she got completely screwed by the director. The film's never come out, and I know it's a terrific, terrific comedy. So I wanted her to work with people in Nebraska who are basically on a school fault. Right. <laughs> and it's a wonderful script, and these people are very well attached to the industry, and I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that this, will, that this film will get made in the fall. And it's called Justice, J-U-S-T-U-S. Okay. What's it about? You know, it has it has it has some of the some of the feelings and trappings of uh, the Shape of Water. Okay. But it's not a monster or anything. But it's about uh, it's basically a true it's a, a, a guy that I've just fallen madly in love with um, who, who lives in, in Nebraska, who had an accident when he was fourteen and uh, with a train because the arm didn't come down to stop. He lost an arm and a leg, and he has. Uh, grown into a, a beautiful man with a wonderful family and makes little films. And this is not a little film, but I met him when he put werewolf, little werewolf Harris on me with uh, prosthetic hands with his crew from Omaha. And we just became really close friends. And so he had an idea for making a film and sent me a bunch of snippets of his life. And I thought, God, it's so much in here. 
of films, he works with a wonderful writer who also works with um, with Stephen King, Alexander Entertain, and, and, uh, and so the writer called me and we talked about my concept and it didn't turn out to be my concept, but it's sort of, it's a thread that goes through it. And this friend of mine, Tim Welch in, in Omaha, is, is such a wonderful human being and he does so much for other people. And he's had a life that is much harder than yours and mine for you know a number of reasons. And uh, I'm hoping to make it work because I think it's really terrific. And I'm hoping to make it work because I want to do it for him. You know, and I play a wonderful evil mother. Right. And I love the evil parts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's based on his own mother. As a matter of fact, I went, I went to Omaha and sang for his wedding recently, and, and uh, he asked me when I got there if I would be his mother and give him away at the wedding. Oh, wow. Because he's my, my mother can't make it. She's horrendous, and I can't even go near her. And I thought anybody who grows up like that uh, and comes out like he did it's a miracle. Right. And so when I said, you know, who gives this one, who gives that away, to marry Emily, I, and I went, I do, everybody screamed with laughter. <laughs> I thought, well, that was inappropriate for the moment. Right. But it was, it was a wonderful experience. So that's how close I've gotten to him and why I want this, this, this movie to, to be made and why I think that, uh, that people will enjoy it and oh. be moved by it. Well, that's great. Yeah, hopefully it all works out. I'd love to see it. Yeah, and it's not the kind of movie that I usually get asked to do. So it's not its not like, oh, gosh, this is right up my alley. This is something new and different for me. Right. So I figure at my age, new and different is hard to find. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And there was a movie, uh, like you just you did a couple of years ago, speaking of being a mother, um, before, like Baker Mayfield, you uh First pick in the NFL draft, he was a walk-on and he won the Heisman. But before him, there was Brandon Bullsworth, who was a walk-on and became All-American at the University of Arkansas, got drafted by the Colts, and unfortunately, he was killed in a car accident 11 days after he was drafted. You played his mother in the movie, Gifted. I did, and I got goosebumps and tears started, yeah. Right. How did you get involved in that project? I'm sorry, the movie was called Greater, not Gifted. I'm sorry, Greater. Called greater. Yes. Greater. Um, I'm trying to think exactly how I got, and I think it was the director that found me and found my phone number and called me up and asked me if I was interested in doing this. And I, I said, Are you kidding me? I would love to. And so he sent me a book okay. uh, about it. Um, that I can't remember who wrote the book right now because I'm old. <laughs> um, the book was stunning. The story was just stunning um, of his triumph. I mean, he triumphed over, um, you know, some, some, some mental problems in terms that he was wildly, wildly, and he had a master's degree, like in his freshman year of college. He had amazing learning capacity, but he had a lot of things that were kind of held holding him back. And his father had died, and he was raised by his mother and his older brother, and he went, I mean, his, his childhood was difficult. And then he was ended up being such an amazing athlete. And everyone told him, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do this. You're too fat. You do this. You do that. And he went to Arkansas, and he, he broke every rule. He changed everybody's mind. And he ended up being so, so, so uh, successful as a football player. And his mother was always on his side. 
So I realized that, you know, playing this mother there's a side of me that I would love to find. It would have that kind of patience, that they have that kind of belief, that it would fuck the crowd, that would argue with anybody when it came to her son. And I thought, I need to do this. It's come to me for a reason, and I need to do it. And I had an extraordinary time shooting it. And I was with his mother almost every day and got to know the family. And a remarkably moving experience, um, transforming for me. So I, I, I love the film. I love the experience. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I got to go down to Arkansas to see the first screening of the movie. And I'm really proud of it. Right, yeah. I thought it's a great job that everybody did. Yeah, I mean, I remember when, you know, the accident happened, and it was it was really tragic, totally. And... Do you live in Arkansas or somewhere in the area? No, I was just a college football fan and knew, knew of the story of, ah, yeah, him getting drafted. Yeah, and he was drafted, and he was going to project it to be a yeah. you know, star, starting lineman for the, for the Indianapolis Colts. Colts. Yeah. Yeah, and the Colts, and he was on his way back to visit his mother. Right. When the accident happened in the little road, and I traveled that little road. You know, I've, I've been to the scene of the accident. Yeah. Just uh, an amazing experience all around. Wonderful family. Right. He and his brother, and, 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 and his brother, and his, and his mom, and all the things that they went through, and his incredible victory. You know, and they had his life snuffed out. You know, so early. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah, it was so but tragic. Live, live all you can and it's full of, it's, it's full of life that you can. Exactly. You, you know, none of us, none of us know. Right. And also. You don't, you don't turn around and see the, and see, and see the future. Right. And also never give up. You, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, here I am, I'm still, I'm still, you know, trying to, <laughs> I'm still trying to grow up. Right. And we all are. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, you're always kind of fighting. Like, what's the mature way of looking at this? Oh, forget it. Exactly. <laughs> Why bother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why bother? Yeah. yeah. But speaking of, like, being young, um, when did you first want to get into acting? Well, I, you know, I mean, you grew up, I grew up as a kid. I lived in a little town in the middle of Nebraska, a, a town of 300 people. And, you know, we have one little movie theater. And I found that it was only open on the weekends or on Friday nights, I think. And, it was my favorite place to be. It was before television. And that theater was, it, it just changed. It just, every time I, could, I went in there and watched the movie, I didn't care what it was. It just, wow. I mean, I guess I wanted to get out of that little town. I wanted to live in a lot of different places. I wanted to be a lot of different people. But I never thought of a career as an actor because I didn't ever, I was always taller than all the guys and all the girls as I grew up. So I never saw myself as a movie star or somebody ever being in movies or even in theater, but I did all the plays, school and whatnot. But my dad was a music teacher and a singer, and so I started singing at an early age and enjoyed that. So when I went to college, I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I ended up with the people that were influential with me. And I was at the, I got to the choir, and they said take voice lessons, so I took voice lessons there, and it just one thing led to another and I decided I wanted to be an opera singer. So that's really what I set out to do and got way late when I was, was flown out to LA to sing a concert with Rudolph Trimble. This was in college. He was one of the gals, uh, Virginia Ehrlich. Her, her father was the president of the Burbank Symphony and they'd gotten Rudolph Trimble who wrote a lot of, of wonderful movies. 
I knew some of. Said, Would you like to sing in the Rudolph Brummel concert? And I said, yeah. Singing in the concert, I was going to go back and then go to Juilliard and then go to um, live in Switzerland with Maria Stotter and, you know, for my opera career. After the concert, the trombone player had a great, had a great friend who was a baby agent at ICM. And so Frank Levy, who was the agent, came up to talk to me, and so did the head of music at Universal. So I was given all these options. Instead of going, put off going to school, you know, go to the musical theater workshop downtown, just Los Angeles, the Georgia Chandler Pavilion, do a musical theater. I've done a lot of it, but I never thought that's what I would do for a living. So in college and in high school. And so um, I decided to stay in L.A. and study. And one thing led to another there. And suddenly I was an equity member and doing theater. And it was, I was an actor. And then someone asked me to do a play, and I went to play with no music. And so then I thought, well, maybe I should study acting. <laughs> maybe I should learn what this is all about. I mean, you act in the opera, but you're speaking German, you know, or French or Russian. Um, there aren't that many, you know, um, English operas in English. So it just it never really occurred to me, but it's happenstance. It was just happenstance. That's how I became an actor. And I absolutely love it because I can play all those characters that are inside of me. All the interesting people that I've watched through the years, just people, you know, a teacher or, you know, an, an agent or someone in a restaurant. Is I can, I, I have, I, I can attempt to find out what sort of in the mind and psyche of other people. And the only reason you do that is if you were going to be playing something like them. Because, you know, we're all individual. You can't run around seeing somebody else. So I was never really great in acting class, but I was pretty good on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then I always had problems seeing. I have one lazy eye, and so I lost this and that, the other thing. So it always made auditioning hard for me. And I was so lucky to get the first three jobs that I had that were sort of uh, memorable and whatnot uh, because it was not from an audition. It was usually from some crazy thing that happened before the audition. You know, like I would be late or I would be stopped by the cops and I couldn't get there and <laughs> I couldn't get a cab and I was, <laughs> somebody took my purse in the subway. And I always had a story when I came in and I thought that's probably why I got stopped. Right. And it's not that I was intending to use that to get the job. So how did you um, get one of your most memorable roles playing Rhonda Lee on Laverne and Shirley? Well, that was a strange surprise to me. I, I'm not, I, I never expected to do anything like that. But when I had, uh, my second Broadway show was on the 20th century. And I had, was in Los Angeles, uh, on the 20th century opened. Madeline Kahn starred in it, Judy Kaye was her understudy. And I knew all about that because I knew Judy from L.A. and I fan of Madeline Kahn's, and I thought, what an interesting play, and, and I'm sure it's going to be a great musical. So I was aware that it was happening and whatnot, and I got a call one day in L.A. saying, could you fly to New York to audition Madeline Kahn's leaving the show, so he's going to be playing, or we want someone to cover Judy, and I said, well, you, uh, I, yeah. And so I took my, you know, I had 
dollars in the bank. I think I borrowed money from people and my parents sent me some money and I flew back to New York and I auditioned and I got that job. So there I was, you know, blah, 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 going to be in New York again after I said it, where am I going to end up, right? So I went to, it was the first night that I was observing the show and I found a little subloaded apartment. It was about six feet by six feet. And I was walking in, and the casting director that I knew from when I'd been doing California Suite, I originated the role of Bunny in that for Neil Simon. And I knew her from when I'd been there going on auditions and meetings. And she said, Leslie, she said, listen, you want to be in a movie tomorrow? And I went, uh, uh, yeah, but I have to be back here, you know, because there's no rehearsal. And she said, okay, here's the information. And so I got on a, a subway, and then I got on another subway, and I was clean for the next morning at this movie set, and I introduced myself, and they said, well, you're going to sit here with the exes, and they put me in a nurse's uniform, and they put a little cookie sign on me, and I sat there all day long eating the extra food, looking at the actor food, going, gee, one really nice to be an actor, you know, but I had a really kind of nice day, and all of a sudden, I looked at my watch, they were dismissing some people, and I said, I have to go back, I have to be in the theater tonight. And they said, well, can you come tomorrow? I came the next day, and I was excited to be there. I put my little review for my nurses just on a little cookie sign, and I'm sitting there with the extras, and all of a sudden, from down the hall of their soundstage, comes this big voice going, where's my nurse? <laughs> well, it was Sidney Lynette, and Alan King was the actor I was going to be, I was doing my little silent bit with. And so I stood up, and I said, hi, I'm your nurse. And he goes, walks over, and he goes,
And like those roles could not be any different. It just shows you like your ability to act right there. <laughs> they could have been different. And you know, I'm willing to say they could have been better. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when I see, you know, I see a little bit of Laverne and Shirley, I just go, oh my God, I was this monster giant woman. Right. You know, yeah, I'm so silly, but it, uh, yeah, it was just strange timing and saying yes. You know, if if you overthink something, you can you can stop you can stop your karma. You know, you can stop you can stop your energy that maybe is supposed to go in a way that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Certainly not in danger or anything. I don't mean that. Right. But take a chance on something that you might not feel up up to, and you might be, but take the chance because you never know what you're going to do once you're in that situation. Yeah. And chances are you will fulfill whatever is needed. But I mean, I'm the most insecure actor that probably ever walked on the <laughs> 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 um, But yeah, yeah. And I have such wonderful memories, you know. And that's how you build them. Right. So the like the experience on the set of Laverne Shirley, I, I know like was kind of like tense towards the end, right? son daughter to watch a bunch of Nickelodeon shows and they both of them guest starred together on, on one of the shows like about a year year and a half ago really yeah it was it was, it was kind of memorable I didn't even know that. yeah
was in a scene from Laverne and Shirley, and, you know, she was up filling with the cameras and, and dealing with the, you know, the guy that was filling her with angles and what someone they were going to be in the audience area. And she came down, on, and we were doing a scene together, just the two of us, and, and she walks on the set, and she says, well, where, where do you want to stand? And I said, you're the director. Right. And she said, I don't know, I don't know. What, what do you want to do? <laughs> I know, just do it. And so I said, she was so good, but she was just simply panicked. Yeah. And that first time that she was going to direct, and she ended up directing a terrific episode, but I just thought, well, where are you going to want to come in? You want to stand here? And I said, I can just stand here. You can go walk, walk in. It's just you want to walk in. And I said, well, I can come through the door, too. And she said, well, well what do you want to do? <laughs> and she was just wonderful. Yeah. You know, she just ended up, ended up being just brilliant at it. Yeah, and she directed some great movies, you know, Big League yeah. of Their Own. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I loved. I just loved it. Yeah, I've been too. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of hers. And, and I was with Gary's. And just so grateful. Yeah. You know, I remember thinking, I don't want to do this. I'm scared to death. I don't know how this is a thing. You go, man, there's an audience there. And he likes to change your script every day. And but I mean, Cindy Garrett, Michelle Foster, and, and uh, <clears throat> David Michael, Millennium's Quickie. Yeah. How wonderful people to know. Yeah, and yeah, Michael's gone to a brilliant career as well. craziness uh the police academy movies uh the, f the first one obviously is you know off the charts it's great and it's it's r-rated opposed to the sequels how much fun was making that first one Right. <laughs> so 
expect to be making like 20 more sequels right or whatever they made <laughs> sergeant, lieutenant, captain, and then even on the TV show you guest starred, you were the DA. How would you end up being the DA? <laughs> I have no idea. Right. I kind of said to Paul Maitland, anyone, I don't know. <laughs> 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 he said, we just wanted you to come back. 
come and do one, and we figured this was the only thing we had that would that would, that, that would work. And it turns out my husband now, who I met long after all of that, was actually you know was was a writing on that series. Okay. So he was he he, he had a couple of episodes that he wrote, and uh, it's a thing. Yeah, and then yeah. yeah, there's been talk for a while that they're gonna reboot it. I think like King and Peele were working on a movie. I don't know if anything's gonna happen. Yeah, but I heard the same thing, but I said it looks like words got now, but nothing's happened. Right. So if they ever decide to make it and you have you in it, maybe you can be the president of the United States. Well, yeah, I think on the next step after being DA. Yeah, or governor or something. Yeah. You know, just... Yeah, or I may have to go through like a state office. Or... Right. You know, but I think president is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine any. I can't imagine what it's like to take that on. I mean, why would anybody want to be president? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, except that you know, I think that we've had some awfully good ones. Yes, we we've had in the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you kind of remember that, and that's the only thing that keeps me sane to the the sort of the, the, the tumult we're going through now. Right. You know, is that I know that this is not going to last. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm not sure if I will live through four years. <laughs> or all of us. <laughs> yeah, entire country, everybody just dies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Snap of the fingers. Oh. Yeah. But then... Oh, oh, oh. I have stories about that too, but we're not going to go into it. We're oh. not going to go into that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save it for the after hour show. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. yes. Personal things that you really just don't want to say because you don't want people screaming at you. Right. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Then, like, yeah. yeah you... But Ian Peel, I think, did write, write a script. I've only, I've only heard, like you've heard, you know, that Ian Peel wrote a script, and I think they're very, very funny. Oh, absolutely. And we want to do it, and, and we didn't do it, but we still had George. You know, but we still, and we don't have David, we don't have Bob, but we, you know, there's, there's a lot that we won't have. Right. Well. There are still some of us that are out there kicking. You know, Marion Ramsey is one of my best friends. I adore Michael Winslow. I just saw recently. I just, you know, I see Michael as often as I can. Um, and Scott Thompson is just, you know, to be his knees. And, you know, yeah. we're still, we're still, we're still tight. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that, that's good to hear. So, yeah. Yeah, why weren't you in the first sequel? Okay. Yeah, I did another movie in there, which was a big mistake. Yeah, with with, with Johnny Depp and Rod Mar Ralph Morrow. Oh, uh, what? Private Resort, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they overlooked the room, and you know they overlooked the room for that. And one of my most horrendous but hysterical memories is that they did a screening, and I didn't know that they overlit the room. Okay. The cameras were, and I really was never aware of that. I mean, I. Basically, just still focused on the work and the character, and so there's a screening, and I think they had it. It was with one of the studios down South LA, and and, and my the minister who baptized me and his wife were in town, and so they wanted to go. I said, "Oh, well, come see this movie," and so they went to the movie with me, and the minister who baptized me in Nebraska hundred and six years ago was sitting there watching me parade around naked. <laughs> Really, I guess I must say the most humiliating experience that I've ever had. Yeah, the most, the most <laughs> humiliating. Yeah. I mean, I've gone 
Johnny Depp. How was um, how was working with him on that movie? I think it might have been his like first or second movie. Super Bowl, Super Bowl 17. How how did that experience come about? Sports career instead of an acting career. 
the day, next time I came home from the Vernon Shirley and had news, he said, oh, he said, um, the angels uh, just, uh, Rod Drew just went from the Yankees to the angels. And I went, oh, I mean, I had no idea who that was. Right. And he said, yeah, first basement, he's the best. He said, I want to see the game. He said, so I called the angels and I told him that you were my wife and you're going to be singing the national anthem on Monday. At, at where, Anaheim? Anaheim. And the national anthem, oh my God, well, thank goodness I have piano. And so I went out and bought the music. I mean, so that's what I said. These people do all kinds of things with the anthem. I only know, you know, stand there with my hand on my heart and sing, okay, you know, the way it's written. <laughs> and so I said, I'm going to have to really learn this thing and remember where from where. So I worked like a panicked person. And we drove down to um, Anaheim and I sang it for the first time. And it was okay, you know, people seemed to like it. Well, it turns out there was a woman, I ended up singing a lot down there, that there was, until, until the owner, he was the, the, the famous owner of the Angels, like, he was an actor. Oh, uh, Gene Autry. Gene Autry decided he didn't like the high notes, and so he didn't want me anymore. Oh. <laughs> this woman, Marty Metters, was in charge of opening ceremonies for the Super Bowl, and for halftime, an opening ceremony for the halftime. And she was there, she heard the anthem, and she said, I want that anthem for the Super Bowl. She just chose my anthem instead of choosing me. So she contacted me through the and Shirley, I think, or through my agent, and said she wanted me to do it. And I, I had done it a couple more times by the time I got the call as for the angels. And, and I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> I mean, you know, competition and people that always would do that, it was wonderful. You know, they used to these big shows, and I thought, I can only do the anthem that I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to do the, the one I did for the angels. Mm. And that's, that's how it happened. Marty Metter. And, you know, the yeah. performance is on YouTube, so I, I watched it, and you, you knocked it out of the park. And with, with, with that show, it's like the number one watch show on TV every year. So every all eyes are on you. It's astounding. Yeah. It's, it's such a terrible feeling of responsibility. <laughs> you know, it's like, my God, if I screw this up, it, it, globally, I will be considered an idiot. Right. <laughs> I mean, it'll be like I'm doing Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm David and Michael, you right. know, on, right. on, on Laverne and Shirley. If I, if I forget or if I screw it up, if I hear it, so I thought about it. Hey, oh, then Pete Rosell, at one point, Pete Rosell was questioning because nobody knew who I was, and I had to make a tape for him, and he okayed the tape, and then I thought, well, maybe I should get that tape back, I could just play that and lip sync, and then I thought, no, because you, you can tell when someone's lip syncing, yeah. I'm going to have I'm gonna have to face the music, even though I am the only music, because I don't do it with an accompaniment, right. and it was truly remarkable, and they put me up at a wonderful hotel in Pasadena, because it was such a rose bowl, that was nice to be in it now and they got a limousine to pick me up and take my husband and I and my husband Ben Victor and, and then um since Mills um Mills Watson who was a wonderful comic actor that you may know of he and his son and so it was a big deal and I bought a dress and thought well I guess I'm, I'm going to do the feminine thing and my dress was a thousand dollars and this was in the 80s that was a lot of money in the 80s and I was just like shaking with this dress. And we were in the limousine driving, and the limo, the driver couldn't find the Rose Bowl. 
And the time is oh, ticking, wow. ticking, 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 right? Just ticking away. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? You know, it's like, this is ready. I'm ready to go. And he said, I, and he just went, he couldn't find it. And that was before phones and cars. So finally, I can't remember exactly how we asked questions. Somebody was on the street that lived in the area. And we got there, and he pulled up, and he said, we have the anthem singer. We need to go right in right now. We're almost late. And they said, no, the anthem singer's already inside. And I realized that they sent two little things, one of my manager who had my parents, and he told them that he had the anthem singer. That's how Michael got in. But they wouldn't let us in. So I was, like, we, I was, like, like almost a half a mile from the entrance. So the limousine had to stay out. I grabbed my dress and my high heel boots, and I ran, I mean, full speed. And I got in, I said, I'm the answer singer. They said, we remember some rehearsal. They let me in, and there was the trailer. I went to the trailer. I dropped the dress down over my head, put the boots on, high heel boots. I'm running up to the tunnel. I said, no one's in the tunnel. No one's on stage. It's time for me to sing, right? Yeah. I ran up that tunnel. And then the, the whole, the whole field was so beautifully decorated, but I knew where my microphone was. So I, all of a sudden, of course, you hit the grass and your heels stick in every time you, every time you try to run. So I'm pulling my heels out of the grass, out of the grass, finally get to the microphone. And they say, all right, please everyone bow your heads for a moment of silence for Coach Bear Bryant, who has just died. And I'm from Nebraska. We always played Bear Bryant's teams, right? And I didn't like him. And I said, oh, no, now I'm very thankful for Bear Bryant. Oh. And so anyway, with time, they, they said, uh, just before they said, please rise for the national anthem, I realized that I got to breathe. Well, we had the moment of silence. I turned around. The honor guard is behind me, these gorgeous young men with their guns. And I said, if I screw this up, shoot me. <laughs> I turned around to the microphone, just as a thing like, and I sang it. Because I had a trumpet, recorded the trumpet, going down, da, 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 to my intro. That was, and that way I could figure out what my note was. And uh, the rest is history. It went fine. It went fine. But I thought, I thought, I thought it was the last day of my life. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you, you definitely nailed it. But yeah, we couldn't get to the, first of all, we couldn't get in. I couldn't get right. in. That's when I got in. <laughs> He's lost and he's driving around. You know, Pasadena, and I'm thinking, I think that this really does have to start on time. Hmm. Oh my God. Sorry, you got the old story out. That's a truly remarkable experience for me. Uh, yeah, that, that's great. Because, um, yeah, because yeah. mainly artists like give their own interpretation of the anthem, and some do it well, some don't. I think Fergie kind of had an interesting one earlier this year at the NBA All Star game. Uh, but you. Yeah. Someone was talking about that. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. But somebody else was had mentioned that that they thought it was good. Yeah, it's like uh, either you loved it or hated it. No one's really in the middle. It, it, it was certainly different. I'll I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, it is. I, I I embrace all the different ones, and I think it's you know it's great. And I don't like them sometimes, but it doesn't mean I don't appreciate them. And I love that we have an anthem and we have an open culture so that we can experiment. Right. You know, there are some cultures where if you don't sing things, this is, <laughs> this was the worst thing that happened afterwards. This went off to the police academy in Toronto, right? So 
Paul McClancy, our producer, gets tickets that we're going to go to see the, um, the, the, the Blue Jays playing the Dodgers, and he wants to see the game. And he's like, I, you're going to sing the national anthem, and you're going to sing O Canada. And I went, when? He said, like, tonight. So I went, well, I don't know O Canada. <laughs> so he got me to be thinking, O Canada. Well, I kind of got it down so it's pretty easy, right? There's not too many different lyrics or whatnot. So we went. We left the set. I got dressed in something different from the uniform, and we went to the thing. We did it. I did the Oh Canada, and then I think the National Anthem was first, and then it was Oh Canada. And when the next day on the set, the crew was just absolutely giving me the hardest time <laughs> because I had no idea that it's supposed to be Oh Canada, our home. And I went. I thought it was March. Oh, Canada, our home, our native land. And they said, how could you have done that to us? And they were just teasing me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no one has ever done it as fast as I did. And they thought it was like a slap in the face. And I thought, it's a great song when you do it like a march. It has all that energy. And so that's my other awesome story, is I will never be invited to sing Oh, Canada again. Right. <laughs> once yeah. once is good. <laughs> it's a beautiful song. I yeah. like it. But, but it embarrasses me when I think of that. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I finished said that, wow, you know, I really got through that. I remembered it. <laughs> it was not well received. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, but Leslie, this this was great. Thank you for a few minutes today. I really appreciate it. Well, I, you know, I, I, I thank you, and we didn't even get into horror, but... Uh, I know, yeah, uh, I, I, I know. <laughs> That's, we can spend another hour just on that alone. <laughs> I know, I just a shout-out to Rob Zombie, I think he's the greatest. Yeah, you know what, how did you get involved working with him? Because, I mean, that's like, obviously, that wasn't your wheelhouse. No, and I, and I, even though I talked to him and asked him, I have no idea. Right. He just, he just saw the potential, and he thought it would, he thought, he thought it would work. And it certainly did, you know. He's never worked with anybody who was who was so informative as a director, so decisive, so interesting, so open. I just am crazy about it. There's a little scene that Sherry and I have at the very beginning, you know, when we're being, the house is being attacked. And we were just sitting there, and we got to talking, and, you know, I said, you know, I think, I think from the script what I can tell is that we really love each other. I mean, I go to try to help you, and that's how I die. I mean... Uh, we, it's a real bond. And she said, yeah. And I said, can we talk? talk? And Rob comes in and he said, what are you all talking about? And we were sitting there waiting with the lighting. And uh, Sherry says, well, Leslie has an idea. <laughs> well, don't you think we could say, and he wrote that little, there's a little scene for us. You know, we're mama and I love you, baby, and whatnot, that we have before the shootout. And I was, and no other director, and I've worked with a lot of directors who change and listen and do this and do that and tell you why you're wrong, and, and that's great. With Rob, it was like he went to the, he went out to the, to the, to where the, 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 all the playbacks were set up and whatnot, and he was gone. It was about 20 minutes, and we were still sitting there in lighting, and he came back with this written scene, two copies. He said, this is the scene you're going to do. He didn't say, oh, yeah, say what you want, or say this, or just, no, 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 no. He went out and he wrote us a scene. That's great. And then I started watching him on the set, and every time we'd have to do something, no matter what he would say to you, it was the right thing. No bullshit, no beating around the bush, just spot on. And he 
you know, I was following him to the ends of the earth. And he's just a decent, wonderful man. Yeah, that's what, that's what I hear from everybody. Yeah, just, just, just terrific to work with. Terrific. And, and you know, it, he wanted me to do a thing that was done, and I can't think what the name was, a short film was before another film. Called me, and my, my, my parents were very, very ill, and I was dying, and I couldn't do it. And he got upset, and then he's never asked me to work with him again. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, his heart isn't always working. Right, yeah. <laughs> But but as a director and as 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 a writer, I just there isn't there is there are a lot of wonderful people and boy do I want to work with as many as I can before it actually fade off the planet. But he's he's just beyond beyond my favorite. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned and, that. And I love yeah. him madly. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thank, thanks again, Leslie, and good luck with the um, the web series and hopefully that movie get screenlit and we'd love to see it as well yeah cross your fingers and thank you Noel it's been it's been really fun and uh, good luck with everything that you're doing and don't be a stranger and a special thanks to Leslie for joining us today you can follow me on Twitter at the first Noel19 be sure to like the page we're living my youth on Facebook go to iTunes you can check out all the past episodes we've had while you're there, please rate and review the show. Special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do it without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of Reliving My Youth real soon. <laughs>